about two. One is climate change. Every year that would be a death toll even greater uh, than we've had in this pandemic. Also related to pandemics is something people don't like to talk about much, which is bioterrorism, that somebody who wants to cause damage could engineer uh, a virus. And so that means the cost, the chance of running into this is more than just the naturally caused epidemics like uh, the current one. But there will be a trade-off. We'll have less safety testing than we typically would have. And so governments will have to decide, you know, do they indemnify the companies and really say, let's let's go out with this. Almost four months into the vaccination effort, providers are beginning to run out of people who want to be euthanized, uh, immunized. Hi there. Welcome. Kate Daly Show, part two. <laughs> Oh, there's so many damning, there's so much damning information in that, in just that opening clip, can I just say. Um, oh, and who wants to come get us, Gates? Who, who wants to come get us? <laughs> it's always the enemy out there that wants to come get us. Really? Because hmm, we could take out any country. So why wouldn't somebody want to do that to us? Yeah. Interesting. Um, and so I'm going over Bill Gates's very, very strange history. And this is part two. Um, and I, I do want to talk about Elon and Zuckerberg and Bezos. Um, but to understand why Gates is in charge of our education, partnered with the CDC, why he's in charge of the global climate initiatives, why he's in charge of why he continuously speaks out as a depopulationist, why he um, is it has become sort of like the opening clip said, when did we hire him to run everything? in our lives. Kind of amazing um, the role that he serves. And I mean that because I feel like um, there was no way his company could have started authentically. Um, the company was hijacked from um, Henry Edward Roberts and his band of um, intelligence officers that actually started the Altair, actually started the computer uh, business. They were doing quite well, 230 employees. And then all of a sudden, Bill Gates as a, uh, while he's still at Harvard, doesn't even leave Harvard. <laughs> Alan forms a company, uh, Microsoft puts Bill, little Billy as the CEO. And, um, all of a sudden Robert's company is no more. <laughs> okay. So just to kind of go back for a second, Mary Maxwell Gates was a regent at the university of Washington in 1975 when all this started. And that year, she became the first woman to serve as director for First Interstate Bank and the first woman to serve as the president of uh, United Way, King County. And it was that relationship, she made a couple of calls to John Opal, the CEO of IBM, who was also on the United Way board. How convenient. And, uh, and he mentioned that Gates, uh, he said he mentioned Gates to his fellow IBM executives. By the way, IBM has always been a, a CIA front, by the way. And, uh, and according to some accounts, of course, the company decided to take a chance with Microsoft, even though they'd only been in business for like a month. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good company. Get IBM's, you know, get a seat with John Opel, CEO of IBM, and IBM wants to take a chance with you. So I, I put this in air quotes. IBM hired Microsoft. I'll put that in air quotes because it's so fantastical to build an operating system for its first uh, personal computer. By the way, at this point, they had only built a little uh, model. It was nothing but that when they formed Microsoft in April of 75. And at the time, Microsoft was this very tiny company, they said. But interestingly enough, they had employees that were um, like Bob O'Rear, one of the um, earliest employees, full-grown man, 
with a 20-year-old as CEO of the company he decided to go work for, advanced degrees in mathematics and astrophysics, and had been at the control room at NASA during the first moon landing. Yep, he was the uh, chief mathematician. <laughs> okay. And Jim Lane, who had uh, worked software for Intel's microprocessors, uh, developed uh, the relationship between companies. Th these are the kinds of people that they attracted. But anyway, let me give you the official story about how it came to how it came to be, and this is directly from Harvard. Paul Allen, a college dropout from Seattle, wandered into the cluttered kiosk one snowy day in December of 1974 and saw the new issue of Popular Electronics featuring a home computer for hobbyists called the Altair. That was just coming onto the market. Well, not, I mean, yeah, but it had been getting orders like crazy. People were camping out for it, so not like it, you know, it was just coming onto the market. Popular Electronics did an article on it for a reason. And um, he was uh, exhilarated and dismayed. Now, this says December 1974. The actual, art, the actual article didn't come out. The, the uh, magazine didn't come out until January. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> anyway, um, they were thrilled at the, at the new era of personal computers, okay, and was afraid he was, they were going to miss the party. So he slapped down his 75 cents, and he grabbed the issue, and he trotted through the slush into the courier house room of Bill Gates, a Harvard sophomore and a fellow computer fanatic from Lakeside High School in Seattle. And it convinced Allen to drop out of college and move to Cambridge. Okay. <laughs> Allen's older than him. He looks like he's 10 years older than him, but older than him. Okay. And they said, hey, this thing is happening. And Gates began to rock back and forth. This is from Harvard. As often that he did in moments of intensity. Because he had autism. That's why. Anyway, when he finished the article, he realized Allen was right. What Gates and Allen decided to do during the Christmas break of 74 and the subsequent January reading period was to write some software that could make it possible for hobbyists to create their own prog programs for the Altair. Specifically, they decided to write an interpreter for the programming known as BASIC, and it would become the first programming language for the microprocessor. You're telling me that Roberts and all of his guys that are working on this every day couldn't come up with that? <laughs> the guys that had been in the industry? For 20 years couldn't couldn't figure that out okay anyway I'll, I'll move on with harvard in other words it would launch the personal computer software industry and gates said when paul showed me that magazine there was no such thing as a software industry well i don't know about that anyway he said uh, they had the insight that you, we could create one and so he began on yellow legal pads this is the computer guy began on legal yellow pads and alternately pacing and rocking for long periods before jotting on a yellow legal pad, his fingers stained from a rainbow of felt-tip pens. Okay. You guys, um, he's 20 years old, Bill Gates. Okay. He perfected it on a simulator Alan had created, okay, in the Harvard's computer lab. Bill Gates moved to a terminal and peered at his legal pad as he rocked, and then he'd type a flurry of code with those strange hand positions of his, and then would go like on that for like for hours at a stretch. Gates ignored the exam cramming he was supposed to be doing and even stopped playing poker. And for eight weeks, he and Alan and uh, Davidoff holed up at night and, and the Aiken lab making history. In fact, they made so much history that Gates didn't even go down and show it to Roberts when Alan did, and they formed a month. Uh, they formed in April, um, so Alan's. So this is Christmas break. March, Alan goes down there, and uh, in April, Microsoft is formed. 
Okay. And while he's still at Harvard, uh, Alan, uh, Alan is the one that did the company. Okay. Alan's the one that created Microsoft and then put Bill as CEO at 20 years old. Okay. And they went out to celebrate and he, and Gates drank a Shirley temple and, um, that's their big claim to fame. That's how they, that's how they took over the computer industry. Okay. Then it says he finished his sophomore year that spring and then flew out to Albuquerque for the summer and then decided to stay there um, and not return uh, only rather than returning for his junior year. He went back to Harvard for two more semesters in 1976, supposedly while running Microsoft as CEO. Right. And then left for good. Two semesters shy of graduating. That's the official story. Do you guys believe that? <laughs> okay. Um, he, and then he had that sister company right away. He met this guy, Nishi, um, whose father worked, I think, in intelligence in Japan and then um, started the sister company over there. They were the ones that created the Nintendo joystick. This guy didn't have any experience. Again, 19, 20 years old. His father made everything possible for him, funded it and everything. Okay. And then they uh, started heavily investing in American startups in the electronics industry. Now, I don't know about you. You're 20 years old, you're Gates, and all of a sudden you go, hey, I know we just started this and I haven't even been a part of it, but I would like a sister company in Japan. <laughs> hmm. Okay. And uh, by the way, after all that happened, and the guy was interviewed, and he never went back to computers again, ever. He became the principal of schools because he was so interested in computers. Because at such a young age, this guy in Japan, the sister company of Bill Gates's company, was just so enthralled with it all, right? He was actually into publishing magazines. So anyway, they uh, did the Nintendo joystick and um, whatever, whatever happened to the company. Um, but I, I, I tell you all this because... I think Bill Gates was installed as a front for Microsoft. It was a it was a coup for his handlers, and then it made the company look very private. And uh, that way, it was not connected to military industrial spy complex. And they scrubbed his genealogy. It hid the fact that the company was closely tied to the usual families. It was also allowed for the creation of the Gates Foundation, by which they could channel money over to multiple countries. Okay. Africa, Israel, anywhere else in the world, right? Under the cover of charitable foundations. So much happens under charitable foundations. And uh, it was just a clever form of money laundering is really what it is. And so, um, I f and, and then of course, you know, no tax or anything like that. I mean, they move things around like this, like you just cannot believe. That's what's so amazing about the whole starting of this company. They even had the date wrong of the popular electronics um, publication when they were retelling and retelling and retelling this story over and over again. I saw a magazine article and then I just thought, whoop, we need to do something. And then we did. And all we did was create this little tiny model and it was not even working. We go down to the guys that are actually building the computers and intelligence in New Mexico and we sell it to them or we partner up with them. And Bill Gates is still at Harvard. There was absolutely no way that Bill Gates is the genius that we call him. He works with people that are very smart but not the genius, but he's the face of money. And so what do we do? We allow him into our healthcare. We allow him into education and not only allow him in, he runs it. 
No other private firm, the Bill and Gates, Melinda, uh, Bill and Melinda Foundation, have ever partnered with the CDC. No, no, no business like that. Okay, no foundation like that. But these guys, these guys get to do it. Isn't that amazing? And Roberts, the guy that was really the brains behind the computers, he just goes off into Never Neverland. Right? You build a company for all those years and you just walk away. And uh, I thought that was really strange beginning because he was really building something there. And it was quite popular um, way before Bill Gates and Paul Allen got involved. But it seems as though when you need a face for something private and the same case, it's the same way, I think, with Jeff Bezos. Yeah, he got he, he worked with the CIA. But do you realize that he most likely is working for CIA as a front, okay? Because what is, uh, what the companies that, that he gets into, and I'll get into this, but he went into books in a time when books probably were not the big business to get into. And it's kind of interesting. His whole, his whole story is very similar. There's really no logic or no common sense to um, him and also Musk's business too. Musk, you could say his father had money, yes. But when they tell the the beginnings of his first company, nothing makes sense about it. Same with Zuckerberg. Same with Zuckerberg. Nobody gives millions of dollars to a punk in college. It just doesn't happen. And But but, but see, they got used to, to telling that kind of story. So Bill Gates' story wouldn't look weird, right? With Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg becomes the face of something that gets millions and millions and millions of dollars without any previous experience. Hmm. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Okay, you're a smart shopper. You compare prices of... Hi, everybody. This is important. There is a very, very little known IRS loophole. And you have the ability right now to safeguard your IRA or 401k and have it be backed by, with gold. And this is an amazing little loophole that Birch Gold will tell you about. And you need to get this information. You text 989898, that number, and text the name Kate in the message part, okay? So the phone number is 989898. Just think of that as the phone number. Text that number, and then, of course, text the name Kate. It's not true diversification if your savings depend on the stability of the dollar. So gold and silver were money long before. And of course, you need to make sure that you have plenty of gold and silver. And silver is amazing, too. So make sure you've got that. Also, it's a safeguard against inflation um, and also protecting against economic downturns, too. When crisis strikes, desperate investors they seek shelter from the storm. And so this is where you can own your own uh, safe haven assets and get some sleep and sleep a little better and soundly than anyone else. So please learn how gold and silver can do that for you. And then also work for you, not just to have in your home, but work for you. That's huge. You guys, this is why I like birch gold. This is why Ron Paul likes birch gold. This is why he has been talking about them for a long time is because these guys know those loopholes. They understand understand what you guys can do uh, to safeguard your money, safeguard your assets. This is a big deal because with digital currency coming in, you're going to want to do this right now. All you have to do is text Birch Gold, text him 989898 and text the name Kate. Thanks, you guys. Hey, everybody, you need to be prepared. Please be prepared. Don't be the guy that's not prepared. Please. Leading authority, emergency preparedness, jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, 
jacemedical.com, jacemedical.com. There's two ways to be prepared. Number one, antibiotics. They have an antibiotic kit you can have and has got five emergency life-saving medications to use in the time of need, okay? The second way, backup prescription supply. Get an extended reserve of your current medication to avoid shortages. Look what happened in Maui. Look at, look at some of the events that have been going on. Not climate change, by the way, but look at some of the events going on. Oh my gosh. Please be prepared in this way. This is such a fantastic opportunity to do this. You can put in the code Kate. You can get some savings. Um, and also, you're going to gain peace of mind with a long-term supply of medications that you know are sitting there. There's nothing like knowing that you have that on hand. Uh, they never think about, like, kidney infection you could get, pneumonia, you know, um, wound infections, all these different things. And there is a place for antibiotics. And if you can have this kit available to you, it's huge. You can get up to 12-month backup supply of your daily prescriptions an entire year. Oh, please go do this. I can't even tell you. Anything that you're on right now that you know you need to continue, diabetes, whatever the case may be, heart health, blood pressure, please go do this. Go to jacemedical.com and put it every plan because no two bodies are alike. Our proven program is 100% natural. There are never any prepackaged meals or shakes to buy, and we never use dangerous drugs or hormones. We teach you how to eat real food you buy at the store. Take the first step to a healthier new you and schedule your free weight loss strategy session at SkinnyUtah.com. A $300 value, absolutely free. Skinny Utah has offices in Draper, Orem, Centerville, and St. George. And we are extending our couples special, where the second person is half price. Schedule your free weight loss strategy session today at SkinnyUtah.com. That's SkinnyUtah.com. At Skinny Utah, you have nothing to lose but the weight. You will not believe the value of gold and silver today. When making a serious decision that will serve for generations, purchase your gold and silver from your local gold or store, 7 North Main in St. George. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back. Deep dive. Deep dive Friday. Down the rabbit hole Friday. Just looking at the beginnings of the careers of these guys, I think there's so much more there to see. Um, welcome back to the show. Please text Birch, 989898. Just get their information. Pass it along to a friend. Text the word Kate, okay? And when you do that, they'll send you some information to look at. And, um, you know, we're gearing up for round two. And whenever they have a big, huge uh, false flag pandemic, usually money's moving around. Usually things are happening on the financial front. And I say that because I just you can see the writing on the wall right now. And with digital currency coming in, they need big, big reasons and, and excuses to do it. So do things while you can and um, and get secure while you can financially. And this is the best company I know of to get their advice. And I also get gold and silver from them. They're the only place I would go. Okay. Um, all right. So let me go back. 98, 98, 98. Text the word Kate. Okay. Please do that. Um, so, uh, um Going back and, and looking at Amazon, too, it's just it's striking how many red flags there are. A little bit of this comes from Miles Research. Bezos's a name was changed. His birth name was Jeff Jorgensen. And um, Amazon is just another CIA company owned by the trillionaires because it gets data, too. So it's Intel for data collection is really what it is. 
Um, you get everybody shopping at this one location, right? And make it make it really easy to do that. And it's it's interesting. His maternal grandfather was director of U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. He's very well uh, hooked up in in business. And again, you have to make things look private. You have to make it look like private industries, right? So it doesn't look like the government owns everything. Um, and so basically, um, Amazon also is a large cloud provider. <laughs> Um, he did admit that he, you know, got, uh, what was it? 600 million from CIA. Okay. And that was probably what, six years ago, seven years ago. Um, so anyway, he has a kind of a, a strange story, maybe with some ties to standard oil and also, um, his degree Bezos, Jeff Bezos degree was allegedly in computer science. He went to work after graduation for bankers trust. Then he worked for a large hand hedge fund company. Um, and then at age 30, he was just driving across the country and he supposedly came up with a business model for Amazon and books. I mean, it wasn't like mail order businesses hadn't been invented, <laughs> but it was kind of, uh, interesting that all of a sudden it was books were his passion. <laughs> and, um, after working for the large hedge fund company, and then all of a sudden, um, we have this Amazon that's flourishing and books weren't exactly on the rise in 1994. Not really. They'd been kind of on a steep decline, same with newspapers, as we were headed into the digital age. And so then he said he did the company and didn't plan to make a profit for four or five years. You're a hedge fund guy, you're in finance, but you want to start a company with books and you want to start this mail order thing, but you know it won't profit for four to five years. Yeah, investors don't join companies like that. <laughs> They just don't. So it made him look like a real genius when he got all this money behind him to do this. A 1994 online bookstore with a seven-year no-profit plan? Boy, that would score big, right? But guess what? Time Magazine had him on the cover in 99. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Thanks for listening to The Kate Daly Show. All opinions... In the code Kate. 